you know, I was there in the um, down by the ocean, and, and there's something about the ocean up north. It feels wilder. It feels more primal. I, I can't mm. I can't explain it. It was cold and and it was raining, and I just okay. I went into the ocean. These big algae leaves, sort of just twisting and turning around my body, and just almost being taken into the ocean that way, and then getting back up. And it's like because it was cold, right? But when I got back up. I didn't feel cold at all. And for some reason, I realized this was the moment to go on a bit of a, on a quest. So I went into the wilderness in the cold, in the rain, naked. And I sort of communed with nature. I would roll around in the bogs, you know, I wash myself in waterfalls. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. and it was, it was just the most incredible, almost like a prayer to nature. And I came back just feeling alive in ways that I rarely feel, man. And hours out in the cold nature like that. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men, this way. Do you feel disconnected from your father, your grandfathers, from life? Do you feel disconnected from your wild nature? Do you yearn for a deeper connection to yourself? On this episode, my guest, Ayavind Figenshaw Shialum of Norway. He says it so much better than I do. But Ivan and I, we mine these questions and more for useful insights to make a meaningful difference in your life. I really enjoyed this conversation with Ivan. His company is Reclaim Your Inner Throne, a rich expression of men's work that, among other essential insights and practices, helps men reconnect or even just connect for the first time for many men with the mature masculine archetypes, king, warrior, magician, lover. Archetypes founded on Carl Jung's work and outlined beautifully in the timeless classic of that same name, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, by Robert Moore and Douglas Gillette. That is required reading, in my opinion, for every man. The theory goes that these archetypes are embedded in the DNA of all men, but like a software code not yet given the command to begin running the program, many men in the modern world live perpetually stuck in a predominantly adolescent psychological structure. Those archetypes locked away in a latent state beyond our grasping, largely due to a lack of thoughtful, wise male elders who can initiate us into manhood. And also, of course, an abundance of distractions that appeal to the adolescent self-concerned mind. And because of this, we men risk living deeply unfulfilled, while women risk everything that comes with living in a world with few truly mature men. Reading that book many years ago actually changed my life, which I share a little bit about how it did so in this episode. One of the things that I loved most about talking with Ivan, actually, 
is that he's from Norway, the historic land of the Viking. I am obsessed with Viking culture and mythology. In fact, the show Vikings, I uh, believe it's on the History Channel. I watch it on Hulu. It is, in my opinion, the best series that I've ever seen on television. It's got everything a man could want to enjoy watching on television. And actually, Ivan is hosting an upcoming men's retreat called Kings of the North in the wilds of Norway this summer. And I'm going. Actually, I'm leading one of the tribal clans in the retreat. And if you'd like to attend a men's retreat, and especially one in Norway, and be a member of my five-man clan, and in my clan, everyone gets a Viking helmet and a battle axe, <laughs> go to brianreeves.com slash Norway. Brian with a Y, reeves.com slash Norway for more information. It's brianreeves.com slash Norway. You also can get a discount on the retreat if you enter the code Brian Reeves. It's Brian with a Y, R-E-E-V-E-S. Enter Brian Reeves as a discount code when you enroll in the retreat. <sighs> okay, one more thing before we dive in. I want to thank Lissa Rankin for this episode. Lissa is a brilliant woman, a medical doctor who left the limiting confines of conventional medicine to begin her mission to merge science and spirituality. She's the New York Times bestselling author of Mind Over Medicine, and she introduced Ivan Denai. So thanks, Lissa. I really like Ivan. He's a good man. Sweet. Definitely stay tuned for Ivan's five key takeaways at the end of this episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. Ivan, Ivan Shielum. I know I've just slaughtered your name, American style. How are you, my friend? It's good to have you on Men This Way. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Brian. So, all right, help me, help me get your name right, please. Help me... <laughs> I, I mean, I know I got it right. Ivan Fingskarshelem is my name. Yeah, say say it in the with the Norwegian the Norwegian rhythm. Ivan Fingskarshelem. Oh, it's so beautiful, man! Really beautiful, beautiful name. It's an honor to have you. Yeah, I'm, there's no way I'm going to say your name like that. Ivan, Ivan Fingskarshelem. Yeah, you're doing you're doing great, Brian. All right, all right. yeah, you're kind. Mm -hmm. Um. You are in Norway, the land of the Vikings. Yes, this is true. Quite a heritage. I got to tell you, man, I stumbled upon it probably accidentally, but they're on the History Channel, the show Vikings. Yeah. Have you seen any of that show? I literally started watching this show yesterday. So I watched the first episode yesterday. Oh. Yeah. Ivan, it is my favorite show of all all time great shows. It is fucking epic wow it is so talk about all of the archetypes and we'll we'll explore some of the masculine archetypes or we'll have a conversation around that today but but that show i mean i think it's five or six seasons out now and and oh my friend i'm so excited for you to experience that we'll have <laughs> to have a we'll have to have a well i don't know a watch party at some point but anyone listening to there's something about that show that is so primally satisfying and wow. so, so inspiring. It's so cinematic and, and it's just, I mean, I'm going to say it. Watching that show has changed my life. Holy <laughs> shit. In what way? What, what changed? I think um, 
it's like it 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 speaks to some it speaks to that primal warrior in me mm. and yet there's so much there's so much brotherhood in that show there's so much love there's there's such strong feminine energy and wisdom that comes through in that show and it just it just hits me it just it's just so fucking beautifully done the artwork of it too the directors how it's produced and the the cinematic nature of it i mean i um, i think it's the most underrated show on television i'm getting excited about it just from hearing your passion about it yeah i'm so. excited for you i'll tell you why i started watching it yeah because it's not just a flippant decision that i'm <laughs> diving into that show me and my guys you know some colleagues and friends of mine we're we're putting on this summer retreat in the norwegian mountains this summer mm-hmm. and we are partly basing it on like our viking heritage because mm-hmm. why not you know it makes it powerful yeah. gives its root gives it roots and yeah. we're we're going to go on a little road trip where we go to significant sort of viking places and mm-hmm. and to get into the vibe you know do our historical research and really feel into these primal powerful yeah. but also beautiful roots you know i mean they're brutal but they are. but there's there's beauty there and for me today i could certainly use with integrating more of that uh, sort of viking yeah. berserker quality yeah i think i think well you know that word brutal it's like uh, it's a good thing that we're shielded from so much of the brutality of our humanity today and at the same time i feel i feel there's a loss in being shielded from the, and you know, the word, when I think of the word brutal, what I really just, what really occurs for me is you're, you're sharing that and, and doing that growl mm. is it's like really a contact with, with life in its most raw, unbridled, wild yeah. nature. It doesn't take very many days for me to uh, just be sitting in front of the computer sort of typing away on my projects mm before I start feeling like I'm this contracted sort of, mm-hmm. you know, 21st century man that doesn't have any contact with my primal force. And I'm like, yeah. I just walk out and, you know, the world seems yeah. like it's sort of pushing in on me and it's scary. And, you know, it's so important to get out into the wild and feel the elements and feel like I'm standing up in the face of the wind and the, and the ocean. Yeah. It's glorious, man. It's glorious. I know. Yeah, I, every time I go to the grocery store, you know, just to pick up my food and put it in a cart, choose from all the selection that's there. Look, we're very fortunate that all I got to do is go to the grocery store. Yeah. And I feel sad. There's something in me that feels like mm. I'm, I'm, I'm missing a connection to the wild doing it this way. And, and I've really noticed a sadness every time I go to the damn grocery store. Mm. <laughs> in the last I feel year. you, man. I'm actually part of... Um, like a farming collective here in Norway. So mm. I get some of my food from, from that, yeah. which is a pleasure. And I know you, uh, just a few weeks ago, you were on a retreat in a cabin. I was. By yourself. I was. How long were you there for? It was four days, I believe. Four days. That's something that I try to do every year. Go on solo retreat. I mean, last year I spent f- four weeks, I think in Ireland, in a remote location all by myself. So I I watched one of your videos on Facebook where you were just in the cabin. And I'm curious, what do you do there? And and what do you most love about that cabin retreat experience when you give yourself that? Why is that important for you? 
This time was very different than the previous ones. Uh, I used to go there back in my 20s quite um, and do week-long retreats fairly regularly, and it was incredibly important for me to deepen into my inner world and to start developing a refined understanding of the workings of my mind and and to really develop that meditative absorption where you can just sort of drop in and you're just there in the moment and that's all that exists. It's powerful. That wasn't why I went this time. I went there because I had a training to shoot on Sunday and I felt massively Mm -hmm. underprepared for it. And I knew I had to go shelter myself away from the you know, the real world, quote unquote, and to just yeah. really dive in. And I did, and it was rich and it was humbling. Mm. And I came out of it feeling wiser and more broken at the same time. It's a very strange experience. Interesting. Mm. Uh, bring us into that a little bit more. Wiser and more broken. What do you mean? Well, I just realized even more, um, I was able to face even more of my wounds, if you will, and the things that I haven't really been willing to face in a humble way. Mm. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, it's one of, I'm sure many of your previous guests, uh, I guess I've touched on this as as have you, I'm sure how it's so easy for us men to sort of try and cope and put on the strategies on top of all the pain and the the cauldron of primal darkness or whatever it might be. And And, uh, you know, um, every once in a while, I just need to dip in there again and just see what the heck is going on and get a reality check. And, and I did get that. And uh, I'm still processing what I found. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I know you're turning 40 this year. Is that right? I am 40. I'm turning 41 on Sunday. Oh, shit, man. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So that's right. And I'm actually turning 45 in wow. about three weeks. Mm. So to Tori. Yeah, that's right. Your Taurus, Taurus brothers. Stubborn. <laughs> you Stubborn. Keep, keep going until the bitter end. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But we're reliably stubborn. We're reliable in our, stu- in our stubbornness, which means, you know, you can count on us. Are you central? I don't know what that means. That's supposed to be another one of these characteristics that we, we, we you know, take pleasure in our senses. Oh, sensual. I thought you said central. No, no. Sensual. sensual. Oh my God. I'm incredibly, I'm, in, I'm sensual to the point where it can be debilitating oh dear. where like sheets, you know, the bed sheets, I travel a lot. And if I kind of, I, I often will take my own bed sheets with me because if I'm sleeping on a bed with even remotely scratchy sheets, I can't, I can't function. Like it's, <laughs> he says after uh, being sad about the, the loss of, uh, of the primal presence of nature in modern life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are contradictions, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's the truth, though. It's like we're so fortunate and blessed to have modern conveniences. And yet at the same time, Absolutely. I think, Again, taken to an extreme, we lose our connection to our own wild. Yeah, we do. To our, own, our real human nature. When you were speaking earlier, earlier, I, I went back to this moment in, in the very north of Norway where I really, really connected with that in such a powerful way. And um, maybe I'll share that story, uh, just, uh, just a one-minute story. Is that sure, please. 
you know, I was there in the um, down by the ocean, and, and there's something about the ocean up north. It feels wilder. It feels more primal. I, I can't mm. I can't explain it. But you know, I, I I just it was cold and and it was raining, and I just okay. I went into the ocean, and uh, all of these, you know, uh, what are they called in English? I don't know these these big algae leaves, sort of just twisting and turning around my body and just almost being taken into the ocean that way and then getting back up. And it's like, because it was cold, right? But when I got back up, I didn't feel cold at all. And mm. and for some reason, I realized this was the moment to go on a bit of a, on a quest. So I went into the wilderness in the cold, in the rain, pretty much naked. And I sort of communed with nature. I would roll around in the bogs, you know, I wash myself in waterfalls and I'm just like, ah, ah. And it was, it was just the most incredible, almost like a prayer to nature. And I came back just feeling alive in ways that I rarely feel, man. And hours out in the cold nature like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. I, I when I go to Ireland, I go to the west coast of Ireland and where it's more rugged. And and I've brought Sylvie there to my partner, and she kind of hates where I like to go. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> because it's so the landscape. It's this place called the Burren, mm-hmm. and even just the name, the it almost it sounds barren, like no life is there. And it's it's this hundred, I don't know, it's a couple hundred square miles of of kind of limestone mountain where there's not a lot of trees and, and yet there's something so hauntingly beautiful and rugged about it. And wow. I love walking there and the, when the wind and the, and, and if it's raining even better and it's just pounding on my face. And I mean, the truth is I wouldn't survive more than a few hours inside of that experience <laughs> yet having those moments of contact as you just described in the waters in the bog in the earth i'm reminded of uh in some cultures around the world part of the initiation and i think you i'm trying to remember where i actually really read this or discovered this it might have been in in one of the like iron john books mm, love those books the ritual of covering ourselves with ash where we get into we, we this sort of ash ceremony where we rub ashes all over our bodies, ashes from the fire as, a, as sort of a, you're shaking your head up and down. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Can you speak to what, what is that? What is that ritual and why is it meaningful? Who? Well, I've experienced the ritual and I, I, mm. I haven't really studied that particular ritual extensively though. For me, it, um, the ashes is, I mean, in Norwegian folklore and fairy tales, we have this character called the Ashlad, Askeladden. Mm. And he's somehow this guy who is very inconspicuous. Nobody thinks anything of him, but he always ends up being the hero. Mm. And so I think there's a, there's a story there that I think is parallel to what that ritual represents. Something again to, you need to be humbled. You need to... Mm get gritty you need to realize the darkness and the dirt and the grit that Mm. that is your life before you have in a way deserved Mm. the glory of success and achievement Mm. because it's uh 
it's a dangerous thing to win from a position of hubris, right? Yeah. Some, something like that. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, there's so many examples we can see in our culture of our celebrity worship culture of people who've been very successful very early in their lives yeah. or, or people who have just kind of been handed wealth from parents or, and while they don't generally stand out as role models, I agree for, for maturity and wisdom. I agree. So it's interesting what you're saying. And, and I'd love to segue into your experience with illness mm. that really brought you to your knees yeah. many, many years ago. And so tell us about that experience. I know that was a very formative experience in your life. Yeah, for sure. Well, it was seven years ago. I remember it really well because it was during the London Summer Olympics. And... Um, I had contracted mononucleosis. And uh, if you don't know what that is, you can look it up. It's, um, it's an illness that is triggered by the Epstein-Barr virus. And uh, you typically get knocked out for a couple of weeks. And then um, ideally you're back in action. And uh, I knew at that point in my life that it's a bad idea to, to exert uh, a lot of, you know, use a lot of energy and to stress a lot during the, those couple of weeks of being ill. So I didn't, uh, basically. I just absorbed the whole London Olympics on, mm. on, on the couch of my child at home. And interestingly, being taken care of by my father at the time. So um, mm. that was kind of a beautiful, mm. beautiful thing. But when I got back, I just realized that, no, I didn't really return in, in the way that I knew myself. And then things happened in my life, like the death of my father and other quite intense, like breakup and what started feeling like just being somewhat reduced. It became an increasingly debilitating condition until I eventually had, a. I was basically home or what, how, how do you say it in English homebound? No, you like look Bed, bedridden, not bedridden. Exactly. I wasn't that bad. But I was in my in my home, and I, that was my world. You know, I was in, for years. I was basically in this involuntary retreat, and in, in so it, yeah, it, it was. We might we might we might say shut in. A shut in, like I was a shut in, like shut in, shut okay. inside. Yeah, yeah. You said for years. Yeah, the the, the full um, journey of that was about five years. Wow. And what made it really hard was that that was in the same period that I had chosen that I don't want to be in a run-of-the-mill job anymore. I'm ready to step out on my own and set up my own business doing this work that I love. So that was I was in the infancy of my men's work. And What were you doing before that? I was a graphic designer, actually, and web developer. Interesting. Yeah, not a very um, expected pathway you know it's not not nor it's well and, and yet it, well and yet in this day and age man tons of graphic designers it's like a very very common web designers like it's an incredibly common pursuit yeah particularly for a man yeah and a pursuit that started to feel increasingly meaningless and i was sat there one day and i was creating this website that was you know, essentially promoting um, the arms industry. And uh, mm. I was designing this video player 
And the video I had to work with was this conveyor belt of like high caliber ammunition. And I'm like, I'm not entirely a pacifist, but, but you know, this doesn't feel like what I want to do with my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I get it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against guns or, or bullets either, but it's, it's the, it's the come from, what are we doing with them? How are we wielding them? What reverence are we bringing to the experience of death? Or are we just dismissive of it entirely? And just, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not one of these people that want to ban guns entirely and all that stuff, but there's something it's like this. I, I was born for a different reason. I'm making a friggin' video yeah. player for an ammunition <laughs> production. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, in that process, I, I set up my own business, the reclaim your inner throne business and reclaim your inner throne. Yes. That's what it's yeah. called. My men's work. And, and it was such a rite of passage because when I would work and I would work a lot, then I would have the, the health, all the symptoms of my condition just explode, yeah. you know, but when you, when you set out on your own the first time, finances are tight. Of course. Yeah. The pressure. So then that was dropping and the bank balance was running out. And at the same time, you know, whenever I would sit down to work, the condition would just, wow. yeah. So honestly, I look back to that, that time in my life and to this day, I don't, I don't really understand how I got through it in one piece because Amazing. the level of challenge was just unbearable for me. And I think, I think it, it humbled me to such an extent that the only thing that I had left was like praying, praying to a higher power. Like, yeah. I don't know how to do this. Mm. I really don't know how to do this. I am, I feel fucked. Yeah. Yeah. And out of that, my work was born. Amazing. Yeah. Incredible, man. Five years. I mean, just, you know, I, I, one of my favorite movies is the, the Tom Hanks movie Castaway. Yeah. Where he crash, right? He's a, he's a man who's always on time, right? He works for, I think the, the FedEx company and he's always on time and, and everything's on a clock and it's all about getting to the outcome, getting the package delivered on time where it needs to go. And, and then all of a sudden he's crash landed on a remote Pacific Island all by himself. Yeah. And he spends four years. That's what I'm hearing. Like in your story, like really you, there was no escaping your solitude. Mm even through trying to work and get shit done. It just, I, I really see how you were boxed in there and forced to, to go deeper. Yeah. I mean, to this day, it's not really a path I want that I wish on anyone, but I know that yeah. it's yeah. not an uncommon path. There's a lot of people experiencing what I experienced and it seems yeah. to be getting increasingly commonplace. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I feel my military experience in many ways was that for me, I, I was, I got a military scholarship in my teens to go to school. They paid my way. The air force paid my way through university. And, you know, I was 16 years old when I got that scholarship. What the hell did I know about life? So free college. Yeah, I'm in. And then came time to pay back, which was giving five years of my life. And I'm very proud of my service. And at the same time, though, I was so out of alignment with the mission, with the work that I was doing and was being asked to do. I was so out of alignment with the leadership, the men, mostly men, and a few women who were giving me my direction. You know, I was just so out of alignment with all of that. And yet, if I walked away from it, I would be put in jail. Wow. You know, deserting. 
desertion. It's like one of the worst things you can do in the military culture. So, you know, that experience fucking crushed my spirit. It crushed, I won't say it crushed my spirit, but it, it, it crushed me, my psychologically, emotionally. So, you know, it's interesting. I would, you know, can definitely say the same that the work I do today is very much, was very much born out of that experience of being crushed by (laughs) the circumstances I didn't feel I I had no escape from. It's crazy how how these beautiful things are born out of these horrific experiences. Yeah. And And so you're, sorry, go ahead. I was just uh, remembering back to where we started with the warrior energy and Vikings. And and one of the, you know, I work with a much loved archetypal map, King, warrior, magician, lover. Yeah. And one of the very crucial insights is that, well, the warrior serves the king. Mm -hmm. And if your king is a benevolent, good, blessing king, then the warrior will Mm. have the gift of serving a good cause. Yeah, you know, and he, and he will feel self respect, and he will feel like he's well put together because he's serving the good. But but if the king is not a benevolent blessing king, maybe he's more of a tyrant. Yeah, the warrior doesn't have a choice. He still has to frigging do that. He, he mm. still needs to live that purpose and that vision, and he comes back with PTSD and all kinds of debilitating conditions mm-hmm. because wow. That wasn't in alignment with his deepest soul calling. Wow. Yeah. Wow, man. Thank you for making that connection. I'd, I'd never really seen it in those terms before because, you know, what is a military soldier, but he is the warrior or she is the warrior. And I was so out of alignment with the king, at least in the external sense that I was serving. I was in between the two Iraq wars. I can't even remember who was the president at the time. It might've been Bush. Probably one of uh, the second Bush, I think, is when I served early 2000s. I can't actually remember again. The whole the whole experience was very foggy for me because I was I was really depressed and very disconnected from my emotions, from my feelings, from my heart. So, uh, well, I want to talk about your work with the archetypes. I've got my King Warrior Magician Lover book right here, nice. right by Robert Moore and Douglas Gillette. I've probably read this. Maybe I probably just found this myself about about six years ago or so, six, seven years ago. And it just rocked my world. It's beautiful. Totally rocked my world. I understood myself in ways that I had never, you know, one of the things that really struck me was, so this book talks about the boyhood and the manhood Yes. Versions of these masculine archetypes. Well, you have four boyhood archetypes and they're more linear. There's the divine child and then you have the Oedipal child and then the precocious child and then the, and the hero essentially. Yeah. Yes. So those are the boy archetypes. And I think one of the things that, that really leapt out at me, I think it was me. And again, you, you helped me with this. I think it was the Oedipal child archetype, sort of the love for mother, divine mother. And I saw how, and I discovered this, these archetypes when I was in my late 30s. And you know, I was single. I had never had a truly successful relationship with a woman. I had always been looking for perfection <laughs> in a woman. You know, the divine love well, yeah. in human mortal form. I see where you're <laughs> going with this. <laughs> yeah, you see. 
I mean, addicted to masturbation, addicted to, you know, trying to get affection and love. Yeah. In this sort of having this divine representation of how a woman is supposed to love me and, yeah. and, and yet no mortal woman could ever possibly fucking love me in that way. That's the Oedipal child, one of the shadow. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, of, of course you, you are as an adult man who is still in the clutches of this archetype. You haven't grown up. Yeah. You are in this regressive yeah. longing for the bosom or even the womb. You know, there's yeah. it can be like this sweet, sweet, almost like a, a sort of a lullaby en- energy. Is like, oh, come here, my child. Come to sleep. Come to mommy. I'll take care of you. That's right. Don't I'll worry. Accept you perfectly as you are. You're so wonderful. I love you so yeah. much. <laughs> I'm laughing just because that's what so many men and I myself for so many years and I hear so many men insist that that's how it should be, that that's what I should be getting from a woman. I'm holding out for that. But, you know, this is where it gets dark. I actually wrote about this in the Reclaiming the Throne community group today. Mm-hmm. And it was an article that felt a bit, yeah, I felt a little hesitant putting it out there because it's really quite dark. I call it the spider mother. Mm. And it's the idea of the mother that has in some way been abused or manipulated. And so here, here's a boy, all of a sudden her son, wonderful. Here's the one man, here's the one male in the whole world that I can make love me. Yeah. And then the traumatized woman spins the web down there in the underworld, almost like Sheila in Lord of the Rings, you know, capturing... Frodo, and, and we get stuck in that web and it's mm-hmm. kind of, it feels kind of like a soft bed to us. Yeah. And the message is something like, don't ever leave me. Don't betray me like every other man who, who's ever lived. You're special. You're wonderful. Yeah. I want you to be close. I want your life. Don't, don't become your own man in the world mm. and let me feast on your life force mm. because I need it for that big hole that I have in me. Mm. And it's kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies just talking about it, but this is mm. such mm. a real dynamic yeah. that isn't really talked about much because yeah. I don't think we have had a fruitful conversation in our culture about the dark side of the mother. Yeah, We have a very active conversation about the dark side of the father, the tyrant, the abusive, you know, yeah. ah, raging, whatever, workaholic, yeah. absent. But that sticky, nebulous, fog-like, manipulative yeah. field of the dark mother, we don't really talk about it in culture. So men don't even know that they have been stuck there for their whole lives. Yeah, you know, I just a couple of days ago, I had a, a mother contact me Uh, She was referred to me by a man I'd worked with and she has a 17 year old son that she's raising and the father's not around and the son is starting to test boundaries. I don't know if starting to, but he's really, he's becoming in her words, kind of difficult to manage and to raise. And she wanted to, I said, okay, well, you know, she wants to see if he and I could work together. I'm not sure that I'm the right fit, but we have to see. And so she wanted to, I said, let's you and I get on the phone and just discuss a few things and she said, okay, well, why don't you, me, and my son all get on the phone at the same time and see if there's a good flow and a good fit? And I said, that's a really bad idea. Yeah. Because your 17-year-old son, if he gets on the phone with me, with mommy present, that's just not going to feel good in a way that he probably can't even articulate. Yeah. So 
Look, I'm so, there's so many single moms and we'll have some that are listening to this conversation. I really, really empathize with the challenge. I was raised largely by, I mean, I had a stepfather, but it was really my mom who was the strong, grounded presence in my life, who really, really kept my world together. And I don't think I really started to grow up until, you know, my, again, my late thirties, early forties, because I was stuck looking for that perfection, that perfectly unconditional, deeply loving, well, not deeply loving, but divinely loving woman that no woman who is my peer would ever even want to love me that way, really. Because what I've learned, and uh, there's this book, uh, The Women Who Run With the Wolves. Yes. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, 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 I am. Yeah, a brilliant, brilliant book. That book also was really, there's a passage, there's one paragraph in that book. It might even be in the, in the story around skeleton woman, interestingly. Mm. Different than spider mother, but skeleton woman. It's a really brilliant, brilliant mythological tale about skeleton woman. But the basic gist that really shifted my perspective along with the king warrior magician lover and that fat infatuation with divine goddess love that I'll never find in a mortal woman was this realization that, and this is what the author Clarissa Pinkola Estes said in Women Who Run With The Wolves, that until we get over our belief that love can be perfect, we can't have a real relationship with somebody. Like we can't have real relationship until we accept that it is going to be disappointing in some way. <laughs> that human love, right? I feel I feel quite humbled by this conversation right now because mm. it, it makes me wonder if the relationship that that just ended that I, you know, with a woman that I saw myself spending my life with. Mm. The, the, we we ended a couple of months back and and I think I had some of that still running in me and I'm just fe yeah. feeling the impact of that right now yeah because she was the most divine feminine sexy deep you know curva mm. curvaceous mm -hmm. radiant she was all of the things that I take delight in mm. in a woman um, smart ambitious I like as well yeah though I think she projected the same hope onto me, actually, that we of were, course. yeah, yeah, and that we were both in some on, in some way triggering the very deepest attachment wounds that we had, yeah, yeah. as well as giving each other sort of the hope for the the, the healing of that, yeah, and and it's yeah, oh, I feel sad that we didn't manage to actually process that in the end, yeah, but. You know, this is, this is, I think this is what often happens, Brian, and I'm sure you can say a lot about that given your, your work, but when you, you get that kind of like Cupid's arrow kind of feeling with someone, mm -hmm. there tends to be a lot of trauma present in that connection because mm -hmm. it's almost like I eroticize my wounds and mm -hmm. here is the perfect woman that's, that's going to heal me. Yeah, and, and it's like nobody consciously thinks that going into a relationship, like no, because of it's not. Yeah, too humiliating, but it still runs, right? Uh, well, absolutely. Well, it's the we really are replaying 
you know, the traumas we experienced in childhood, we choose partners with whom we instinctively feel, hey, I can, I can fix my trauma yes. with this person present because they're so much like the person who traumatized me. Yes. And even if they're not, I'm going to bring it out of them. Mm. That's the really fascinating thing. Even if this woman isn't exactly like my mom, wow. I'm going to make her like my mom. Oh my God. I'm going yes. to eventually pull it out of her because I'm unconsciously seeking the resolution of all that wasn't healed with my mother. Yes. And I'm going to get it somewhere. Yes. And that's exactly it, (laughs) which is actually what therapy is really great for so that you don't use your relationship unconsciously for healing those wounds, but rather you can do a lot of that work in therapy. It's still going to arise in your relationship. And this is, you know, where Sylvie and I, I think we're both really blessed and we've to be with each other, but we've also been through this in the past plenty of times, but we're both of us, you know, do our own inner growth work. So even when these things arise, because I appear to her as her father all the time. Yeah. I am so not her father. Yeah, yeah, And yet I can say one thing or just have a facial expression that to her triggers, oh my God, that, you know, and she's not even conscious of it. It's primal. Yeah. It's reptilian brain. All the time for me as well. All the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is. We're all experiencing this. this. Is why I am such a huge proponent of working with a therapist or a coach who understands these things, because it's yeah. There's there's no way out of it. There's only through it. But that's the key, Ivan. Is is it really takes both of you mm-hmm. to be deeply aware that this dynamic is happening and be willing to absolutely to lean into all the discomforts that it brings. I mean, it's one of the most uncomfortable healing journeys that I will ever go on, right? That being faced with all of that deep, deep, deep pain again and again. Yeah. And yeah, you got to have, you got to have a team spirit around it. That's for damn sure. I'm curious. I did a a men's retreat, a weekend men's retreat, just a few, uh, just like a month ago for seven men. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I did, I've never done this before, but I decided to take them through these four archetypes, king, warrior, magician, lover. We spent the first evening, a couple hours kind of mapping out, you know, what is what does it mean to be a king? What are the characteristics of a king? We explored the shadow sides of that and all that. And I'd never done that with a, with a group before. And Ivan, these men were riveted. Yeah, they love it, don't they? They fucking <laughs> love it. Let, let me ask you, like, what do you see happen for men when they begin becoming aware of these archetypes? What if, because you've been working with this for a long time. I know you work in groups. Yeah, with for more than a decade now. What do you see? What do you see happening? You know, there is there is an element of adventure and uh, almost like this this feeling of a quest is being constellated as we're being faced with with these four masculine archetypes it, it it comes with all kinds of imagery that we have grown up with in movies and novels Tolkien and mm-hmm. and it seems to speak to some part of men it's that sort of it's hard to find the words exactly but there's something fiery something that sort of flares up with some sort of uh, enthusiasm for exploration and conquest and 
and transformation. And it seems almost like there is some sort of a built-in apparatus, like some genetic code in the masculine psyche that is just, you can just plug this right in there and it fits, fits perfectly, right? And and all of a sudden, it's like you're starting to drink from the well, from the source. Mm. And for me, you know, I had been this um, high-flying Buddhist meditation practitioner for almost a decade when I discovered this. And while I had benefited a lot from that, I also came to the realization that I had essentially been running away from life and particularly the more primal aspects of it, like women and sex and power and all of that stuff. And when I connected with the archetypal map, I felt like, okay, so this is still spiritual, but the the directionality of it is down. It's elemental. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes into my roots. I can feel my ancestry. I can feel like I'm standing on the shoulders of my father and my grandfather and everyone that came before them. And all of a sudden I feel, it seems like this is a very commonplace experience for men is that we step into a lineage of masculinity and men when we're initiated in this map. And I think that is just so rich because so many men feel completely disconnected from their roots as men. They don't even really, they don't have a conscious relationship to what it means to be a man psychologically, biologically, philosophically, you know, whatever. And so we're, we're just these floating heads that are disconnected from, mm. from the elemental forces from whence we came. Yeah, even from our fathers. Even from our fathers. Yeah. And this map, I feel, has the power of rectifying and remedying this disconnect. And that's one of the reasons why I bloody love it. Wow, I love that. That makes so much sense. Yeah, it's definitely been my experience that it's been very... It's very grounding. And when I did that with these men on this retreat, right? We, in stepping in, you know, after each archetype, we, we did some kind of embodiment practices where we really felt into what does warrior feel like? And we played some warrior games, for example. And to see these men come alive and myself as well is just, I mean, ugh, the world needs this. The world needs this. Men need this. Our women need this from us because we really, what I've noticed is men really come alive in exciting ways. And what, what's fun for me too is as I think about it, when I hold these archetypes in my consciousness, not that I do this often, but when I tap into my, my king energy or my warrior energy and I walk through the grocery store that way, <laughs> I, it actually feels really good. I'm not surprised. It's a very different experience. Mm. You can feel like a badass when you buy processed foods. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I am the king. That's right. I'm going to get my little, here's my little yogurt cup. I got my yogurt cup and I got my little fruit, fruit cup and I got my, and I got my bag of chips, but I am a king. I'm a king with my bag of chips and my fruit cup. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's masculinity in the 21st century for you. Uh. <laughs> Exactly. Beautiful, man. Well, I want to finish with one question and then we'll hit the, uh, the five key takeaways to round it out. Ivan, what do you believe is the biggest challenge facing men today? And what wisdom can you offer in the face of it? Wow. I believe that the thing we struggle with more than anything is having 
a feeling that being male is okay and good in every way. Yeah. Biologically, psychologically, in the way that we are different from women, that none of these things are things that we need to be ashamed for. And my experience is that the level of shame that runs in men for just being born male is just astounding. Yeah. And I think it's increasing. And if we could have a cultural conversation, you know, one of the things that I struggle with is that it seems, particularly in the United States, that the way that you're supposed to make a good man is by telling him all of the things that he shouldn't be doing mm -hmm. if he is to avoid being a bad man. That is not the way that you make a good man, right? And so I think what we need is a lot more blessing, a lot more blessing and a lot more king energy and giving men a positive vision for what it means to be male. That's what makes a man a good man. Beautiful, man. Thank you. And I know that through your work, and we'll uh, in a moment, we'll uh, invite you to share with our listeners where to find you and, and sure. to learn more about your work. And But I know through your work, you're doing that. You're helping men yeah. find a vision of positive. I don't even like this word toxic masculinity. I've just, I've, you know, since the beginning, I've heard that. I get it. I get what we're trying to say with it. But I'm a big fan of what you're doing, man. And so appreciate how you're stepping into, I know it takes courage. I know it's not easy. I know, you know, you struggle as I do it's scary. to step further into this, yeah. but you know, we're, we're becoming the elders that we never ourselves had you and I and other men like us that are doing this work. It's crazy, but true. Yeah. It's, and it's fucking intimidating. It's because again, that the disconnect from our lineage, you know, so I just want to honor you, Ivan, for thank you bro. for persisting. I know it's not easy. Yeah, thank you. I feel, yeah, feel very seen in that. So let's uh, we're going to finish with the five key takeaways finale. I know we've just scratched the surface with what we've been exploring so far, but I've really, really enjoyed this conversation with you, Ivan. Let's wrap up with the five key takeaways finale, and the first one is the key insight. What's the one key insight that you would offer listeners that you believe can make a meaningful impact on their lives because it has in yours? Whatever qualities of being that you exile from your own inner kingdom will show up in the outer kingdom as the faces of evil. Whoa, that's deep. Can you give us a little example? It means that whatever qualities in myself that I do not like I will exile from my identity. And whenever I see that outside of me, I will be in a conflict and a struggle and I will judge the fuck out of that person or that group or whatever. Yeah. Which is why whenever I'm feeling triggered in like a reactive way, it doesn't mean that I don't have discernment or can see that something is better or worse. But when I'm reactively triggered, I know immediately that this trigger is pointing to some part of me yeah. that I haven't assimilated and blessed and seen in my inner kingdom. So my king cannot rise as long as that trigger remains in my psyche. Yeah, I get that. I, I remember many years ago, finally discovering my own arrogance 
by how resistant and upset I was at my dad's arrogance. Yes. It's like only my arrogance could have a huge problem with my dad's arrogance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the problem with, with this is that yeah. shit, man, it's a confronting way to live because yeah. all of a sudden you're, you're not the great saint that you thought that you were. That's you're actually, you're actually just as bad as everyone else that you've been judging all along. That's right. And the enemy is not who you thought it was. Yeah. And this is, this is the antidote to hubris, I believe. Yeah. And uh, from this humility, true greatness can rise. We, well, we could certainly use that distinction in our political sphere at the moment, especially at, here in the United States, the vitriol to see, and it's often easier to see it outside of us than it is inside of us to see how other, you know, look at your, whoever is your opposition, whether your opposition is, is liberals or conservatives, it is kind of the same dynamics at play. I, I mean, I'm, I definitely lean more liberal and it's so easy to look at conservatives and go, wow, the thing you guys are complaining about, the liberals are doing, you're fucking doing. Yeah. And, but we, the liberals do the same thing. The things that we're complaining about, they're doing, we're doing. Of course. It, it, the details are different, but the flavor is the same. Yeah, but that's the game we're all playing yeah. until we're <laughs> sick of it. Until we're sick of it. That's right. That's right. God. And, and yeah. Okay, man. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> key takeaway number two is the key mentor. Name another man that you've been inspired by, living or dead, that you would recommend our listeners to learn more about. I think I would have to say Robert Moore, man. I, I didn't have a living relationship with him. I only ever exchanged uh, a couple of emails with him and I got his blessing to do my work based on his work. So that little email matters a lot, matters a lot to me. So I, I felt like I got his lineage transmission. Mm. And I feel like I stand on his shoulders and um, I have been very invested in his life's work. And... Uh, I have studied him enough now that I sometimes even find places where I don't fully agree with him and that I'm adding my own pers perspectives Beautiful. from a place that I believe is from a, like a more humble place. So that feels exciting to me. Like I, I feel like I have learned a lot from my master, if you will, and I will continue to learn a lot yeah. though. I'm also starting to differentiate a little bit away from him. And for me, that's actually, that makes me even more grateful to him, you know? Yeah. 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 As life intended. That's how evolution works. Yeah. Great. Number three, key resource, your most impactful, inspiring book, movie, or podcast of the last year. Hmm. I know this next year, it's going to be Vikings on the History Channel, which you can also watch on Hulu. I already know <laughs> that. I'm calling that out for you. But, you know, in the past year. Yeah. Well, in terms of uh, podcasts, interviews, YouTube shows, that kind of thing, I, I have really come to love Tom Bilyeu's Impact Theory. I love the quality of the guests he has. And um, most of the guests are of a different, they're invested in different areas of research or expertise than I am. And my work is more soul-based and initiation and that kind of a thing, which is why I feel like I need to like learn from people who are experts in diet and, and sleep and uh, I don't know, yeah. mindset and all of those things, because honestly, I'm not great at those things. Honestly, sometimes I'm a bit of a mess. And so I, I'm really working on assimilating the best possible mindset that I can have and getting my habits and my getting my shit together in the sort of mm -hmm. conventional terms. Mm -hmm. And I know that 
<laughs> no, sometimes people ask me for some sort of a sage piece of wisdom, you know, I'm like, I'm, oh, I'm struggling and I think you can help me. And when I was uh, less experienced, I would try and be Yoda, you know, and, and of course, <laughs> and these yeah. days I'm more like eat right, sleep right, you know, right, yeah. think better and make sure to stay focused and don't multitask, whatever, you know, it's, it's, a lot of the stuff that we struggle with right. is very basic. Do or do not. There is no try. Exactly. That's actually what Yoda said. But yeah. And I think I think for me, my habits are just so stubborn that I need to just bombard myself with the same message from different sources again and again and again. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tom Bilyeu's Impact Theory podcast. Yeah, I love that. So, and for our listeners, if you're driving or at the gym uh, or working out, whatever, you can't write this down, don't worry. Just go to the show notes at brianreeves.com. It's brian with a Y, reeves.com slash men this way podcast. Search for Ivan's episode. It'll all be there. Everything. So yeah, don't worry about it. Number four, your key investment. Ivan, in the last year, what's the best thing you've spent money on under $10,000? Under $10,000, right. Well, then I can't, I, then I can't use my coach as an example because he's way more expensive. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I haven't invested a lot of money this year, but I think out of all of the four archetypes, the lover is the hardest for me to access because mm-hmm. I'm such, such a purpose-driven guy and I need to set aside time to to enjoy my life and to feel like delight in the simple feeling of being. And so I think my choice will have to be the guitar I recently bought. Oh, beautiful. And yeah. Acoustic? I, yes. But um, I love it. What brand? What maker? Alhambra Maestro. Oh, okay. Is it a Spanish guitar or? It's a Spanish handmade guitar. It's uh, oh, beautiful. I didn't buy like a really expensive one because I'm just a beginner yeah, but just having the opportunity on my breaks when I've been, you know, racking my brain for hours to just sit down, yeah. play some chords, and I will actually invest in becoming proper good at this. So, yeah, well, good for you, man. Actually, in on our first date, Sylvie and I, I've written, I used to play guitar and wrote some songs, and about three or four hours into our date, we were sitting in her car. I'd only expected the date to last an hour because I didn't, it's a long story, but I didn't know who she was. I didn't have any expectations. I couldn't, I didn't. And anyway, three, four hours into what I thought would be a one hour date, I played one of my guitar songs that I had recorded. And after I sort of made this silly joke, you know, cause I just play here, you know, that's like the cliche thing, guy playing the guitar to woo the woman. And I, I made a joke. It's like, so can we, uh, can we make out now? And she was like, yes, of course. And I was like, oh, it's on. And so, yeah, guitar is a good choice, my friend, is the yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> good choice. Very good. Finally, finally, last one, key practice. Please offer one consistent practice, spiritual, creative, personal, or relational, that has served you well and that you challenge our listeners to take on for just the next seven days. Well, one of the core means of initiation that we practice in uh, Reclaiming Inner Throne is addiction work. And these days, one of the most pervasive addictions is to our phones. And uh, I have learned, I'm not the only one to say this, but I have learned that the way that I start my day and end my day 
is very, very important. So mm. I would say first hour of the day, no screens, no phone, no anything. Last hour of the day, no screen, no phones, no anything. Just cut out the technology at the beginning and at the end. Start feeling your body. Start or at the end uh, end of the day. Start feeling your body at the beginning of the day. Create a vision for the day. Create your plans. Do your morning ritual, but stay away from that reactive dopamine producing addiction machine. You know, it's it's not good. Beautiful, man. Powerful, absolutely. And remember, it's just seven days. Just try it for seven days and see how it feels. Great. Ivan, this has been, I've really enjoyed this, man. I've really enjoyed this conversation with you. And I know we only scratched the surface, but thank you for coming on to Men This Way. Thank you so much. Where can our listeners learn more about you and what you're up to? Well, they can, um, they can find our um, community on Facebook, just find Reclaiming Your Throne on Facebook, and they can just dive straight into the community. If they want transformational journey of great power and intensity, they could choose to opt in for the flagship training, the three-month. And there's more information on that on, at inner-throne.com. There's tons of articles, a lot of exciting information. And these days, we're also building our online academy, and I'm in the process of creating the ultimate intro to masculine archetypes. So if you go to innerthroneacademy.com, it's a very simple webpage uh, at the moment, but you will be taken to a place where you can uh, put your name on the waiting list for the full release. I'm currently releasing it to the early access uh, men. So I have about 80 men that are beta testing the program. And uh, I think this is going to be just a, a powerful way for a guy without, you know, stepping into super scary initiation territory to really have a taste of the material, to feel how it impacts you as a man. Maybe you get that feeling that Brian and myself have been exploring. So very welcome, innerthroneacademy.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Ivan, again. Thank you for saying yes to being on Men This Way. It's been an honor to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Ivan de Figenschau Schielum. Oh boy, what a name. Find Ivan at www.inner-throne.com and also at innerthroneacademy.com. And also learn more about the Kings of the North Retreat at brianreeves.com slash Norway. It's Brian with a Y, reeves.com slash Norway. Don't forget to enter discount code Brian Reeves when you enroll. And of course, if you're driving or you can't write any of this down, don't worry. As always, all links and resources, including Ivan's five key takeaways and information about the retreat and Ivan's work, they're all in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash podcast. Finally, if you can think of anyone who might be served by what you just heard, please share this episode with them now. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y, Reeves. Until soon, or until Valhalla, where we shall feast in the next life with our brothers in arms and with the All-Father Odin. Until then, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired. Inspired.